Love Talk Radio. There is a watchman on the wall, bringing forth the written word of God to one and all. Are you getting ready? Will you stand or will you fall? Listen to the watchman on the wall. Listen to the watchman on the Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense, Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. Pastor of New Wine Ministries. Great to be with you today. It is Wednesday. It's kind of middle of the week. Get your gas tank filled. Get over the hump. <laughs> kind of Wednesday day. And uh, we're doing fabulous here in Northwest Arkansas, trusting that you're all doing very well this morning, wherever you're tuning in from. We want to welcome you to the broadcast. Unfortunately, we were removed from YouTube under Vincent Xavier and under New Wine Ministry. However, you can tune in on YouTube under Kevin Hauger. So if you go to Kevin Hauger, H-A-U-G-E-R, you will be able to join us in the broadcast on YouTube. And we hope that you do. And we'll just wait until we get out of trouble. And our trouble was simply talking about the COVID-19 shot, and that's okay. I hope we get in so much trouble it's not even funny uh, with when it comes to freedom of speech because it's such guttural hypocrisy that the month of June, there are people walking around the streets of America, pouring out their vomit on the city streets of America and around the world, actually, and you're not allowed to talk about the COVID-19 shot. What's more damning, COVID-19 or the homosexual agenda that's destroying millions of souls around the world? You'd be the judge. I think it's very clear that the bigger problem is the homosexual agenda. And I believe that's very real. I believe that's very true. And again, it gets down to the guttural hypocrisy, the guttural hypocrisy of a month given to people that are spooing out every kind of filthy thing, putting garbage on little children with their transgender ways, and yet you're not allowed to talk about COVID-19 because it's not 100% true. 
So let them throw us off the air. Good. We'll be looking forward to it. And by the way, while we're at it, right now, New York City marked for disaster. And uh, just interesting to see how far it's going to go uh, with the blasphemy coming out of the uh, the governor of New York City making New York City a place of refuge for abortions and but there are some problems, maybe some contentions. Some Republicans are starting to run for that seat, which would actually overturn decades of democratically possessed leadership. Oh, that would be so much fun. Hey, listen, but I don't want to get into any more of that. I want to say good morning to our dear friends, Brian and Kathy. They're here today to talk to us about fabulous things. And so, Brian and Kathy, good morning to both of you. How are you today? Hey, good morning. Just good getting morning. connected. <laughs> Doing good. You're getting you're getting packed. Where are you guys going? No, getting connected here. Oh, connected. <laughs> we are doing great. Well, it's great to have you with us today, and uh, we want to give you as much opportunity to share what God has put in your heart. You know, we have been kind of stuck in a paradigm for quite some time, and I don't like that. And it's interesting on radio. We seem to be stuck in that paradigm. When we go to our Bible studies during the week, like last night, we were in Revelation 22. We're talking about the glorious future of the of the bride and the glorious future of the church. And, uh, you know, that's very refreshing in our Bible studies. But on the air, we seem to be caught in a paradigm of the continual, um, you know, uh, stuff that's going on in the world. And uh, talking about that, but I know from your perspective as missionaries, you have a different thought about things, even though the things we talk about are real. So why don't you two go into it today and just welcome everybody and what's on your heart today? Well, I welcome everybody. It's good to be here with you guys, and we can't wait to see some of you in person. Yeah, hopefully, yeah. Amen. But, um, yeah, I guess. I think I just described the perfect paradigm where, you know, my job uh, last week. Okay, so, Brian, you're cutting out here. Um, we're not getting a full blow here. Do me a favor, um, if you don't mind, hang up and just call back the number. Uh, don't use the link. Just call back on 818-369-0326, okay? Because we can't okay, hear you. We'll and... All right, thank you. All right, so we're going to wait for Brian and Kathy to call us back here. I'm going to actually release them from the line. And uh, they're going to share with us from their heart as missionaries, people that have been out there who care about people. And um, one of the things I want to share with them today, um, what I woke up in my heart with this morning, and I want to get their perspective as missionaries, and I'll just uh, share this briefly for just a moment. Um, You know, I considered the life of Jesus and we all do that. That's what we do, right? We, we're looking at Jesus, all eyes on Jesus. And we note that Jesus gave his life for sinners. I mean, we saw that, right? He laid his life down. Uh, he overthrew a few tables, the money changers. He courted a whip. He went through the temple. He had zeal. But he never touched a person. And nowhere in the life of Jesus do we ever find him doing harm to an individual or a group of people when it comes to physical violence, ever. As a matter of fact, he allowed the greatest physical violence to take place against his own life. He was slaughtered on the cross. He was put to death. I mean, it was so violent that not only did they spit on him and punch him in the face and beat him, uh, they put a crown of thorns in his head. 
and punctured into his, his skull. And then they tore his beard out of his face. I mean, it was just a, a whatever beard the Lord had. They took their fist and they wrapped it in that hair and they plucked that out and that hurts. And then they took him to a whipping post and then they, they striped him 39 times on his back. And, and yet he cried out, forgive them. They don't know what they do. You never see anywhere where Jesus, our example, is doing physical bodily harm to anybody. He's there at that moment to lay his life down. Now, in the future, there seems to be a day of the Lamb's wrath. Uh, there certainly is the wrath of God upon, you know, the nations of the earth. But as far as following Jesus in this life, when you look at him, he was the greatest revolutionary in the whole world, and yet he never touched a soul. I want to get into that conversation just a little bit. All right, Brian and Kathy, you're back, and I think we're going to do a lot better this way. So, um, Go ahead and tell the story. What we, I know people are interested in hearing what happened over at uh, where you're working right now. What's, what's the news? What's the update? Well, I think it was last week I was talking about the fact that we had a, you know, it's pretty crazy where I work. And so in one room, I was dealing with a kid who was screaming expletives and threatening me and throwing a fan at me and kicking his door and punching walls. And, and immediately in the other room, my coworker was in the, um, was in the other um, other room uh, laying hands on uh, one of the kids and praying for his headache to go away, and the kid got healed, and he was jumping down in excitement that God healed his head. And so, you know, in the midst of all the chaos, God is still operating, you know, and, and, and I always go back to, um, to uh, uh, Genesis 1 when, when the spirit of, uh, of God hovered over the waters, and the water in, in Genesis, at the very least, is symbolic of chaos. And so a lot of what God does is, is amidst worldly chaos. And the more chaotic things get, you know, we can focus on the things that are going on. And it's good. I'm a watchman, and I pay attention to the, the temperature every day when I get up in the world and see what's going on. But the reality is, is God is bringing his plan to fruition, regardless of how things look. And, in mm -hmm. fact, because of how things look, you know, we can look at it like, oh, woe is me when the great tribulation is coming, and how are we going to eat, and how are we going to do this and that? Or we can, you know, someone said yesterday on your show, it's like, you know, lift your head. Behold, your redemption draws near. And the, the more chaotic it gets, the more assurance that we have that Jesus will be coming on the clouds sooner than we expect. And I'm not talking about the pre-tribulation rapture. I'm talking about the post-tribulation rapture. So, <clears throat> Amen. Amen. Well, uh, praise the Lord. And so we're, what you're saying is that, since yesterday, uh, since last week, what kind of changes have happened in you know the business that you're in, what you're doing? Um, how are how's everybody doing today? Is it kind of a you know uh, a transformation happening at this point, or are we still just laboring through? It's uh, it's uh, the demons are really stirred up. It's getting completely chaotic, and and I, I think more and more and more, Kathy and I are being drawn into um, a deliverance ministry. Um, you know, we went. We, we both went through this deliverance thing. It's called RTF. It's called Restoring the Foundations. I don't know if anybody's heard of it, but, you know, they're all different types of deliverance ministries. Um, but uh, we went through the process mainly because, you know, we're going to ask some of the, the, the addicted women that we work with another ministry at the same, the same location, but, but um, we're asking them to go through it. And so we went through it ourselves and it was, you know, I mean, it was, it was amazing actually. Some of the things that get revealed, it, it's, it just showed us that, you know, as long, the, 
as long as we walk with the Lord, there's always something else that, that needs to be transformed and exposed. And, and so in the, in the midst of that, in the house where I work, I'm finding myself dealing with like literally demon possessed boys sometimes. And, and, uh, you know, praying and casting out demons. And um, it's, it's, it's a pretty wild ride, binding them anyways, yeah, because we can't really close the doors because they're, they're not believers and they're not willing, but we can, we can at least bind them and they, they can have an experience that would maybe lead them to want to call on Jesus and to surrender their lives, give their lives to him. Well, your labor is not in vain, and any time, you know, there's impact in a child's life, who knows what is being raised up for the future, right? I mean, there's still a hope, you know, for the future, and uh, the ultimate hope is our eternal life, our eternal salvation. Jesus kind of went out of his way to make it very clear, and so did the apostles, that life is a vapor, and that we're here for a very short time, and what we do with this little space of time that we have uh, is critical to eternity. Christians seem to get that. Uh, the rest of the world, I know that me, when before Christ, uh, the B.C. of my life, um, I had no idea about eternity. It was all for the moment. And uh, in the moment, you're wanting to live, you know, uh, have the most fun or whatever it is that we were doing that was never really fun. <laughs> so, you know, what about this thing called life, guys? What about life? What about today waking up and, you know, getting the sleep out of your eyes, washing your face, brushing your teeth, getting, you know, combing your hair? Uh, getting yourself ready to go and face the day. And here we are on radio. Praise God. I think it's a joyful journey. I thank God for it. We have friends that we've never met before. We're having great conversations. Uh, we live in a really wacky kind of world. It's a very strange, uh, I think there's a psychosis going on, a psychological operation against the minds of the masses. It feels that way. And thank God we could keep our head above the waters and keep ourselves intact through the word of God. I think that's uh, outrageously awesome because it's really easy to get lost in today's world. What do you say? Yeah, it's like um, I, I see that like kind of with Brian that like when I that every day it seems like it's getting more chaotic and, and it's like you could use an analogy of it's spinning and spinning outside of you, but it just makes me stand stronger and more firm and turn to the Lord Every day, it's like my, I believe my relationship with the Lord is um, getting stronger because it has to, you know. It has to be, to be able to to face, you know, what's going on, like the, whatever's happening. And um, so that's that's all I can say to anybody. And, and everybody's life is different. And we had a friend in – we have a friend in Mozambique that we uh, stay in contact with. And the last couple of weeks, they've been – he's uh, – He's running like a little orphanage with, you know, grass huts, and they're out in the, the bush. But the, um, what's that, the Abu? Saeed, Abu Saeed, yeah. Abu Saeed, they're coming in really close to them, like um, 300 kilometers, but people are running from them. They're slaughtering any Christians and burning their houses and, and killing them. And um, so they're making their way south towards our friend's village where we were, very close really? to where we were in harvest school. And... Um, so he messaged and he says, pray for us. And he's sending pictures, just terrible, horrific pictures of, of the burning and the slaughtering and chopping off limbs of people. And, and the people are just running. And so they're dealing with a lot of refugees. And, and, you know, and there's little kids like orphans that he has under his care, probably like, you know, they have quite a few uh, huts where children are and, and they're just trying to 
give them an education and feed them and they need funds and stuff. But, you know, he's like, pray for us. And I look at the pictures and I'm just like, okay, Lord, I, I said, what, how do you want me to pray? And like, all I could say is if it were me and I was there, I would be going, God, prepare my heart to meet someone who's at, if, if they came to me with a machete or whatever, that I could look into their eyes and say, Father, forgive them for what they do. And, and you need to prepare the children's hearts. to. You don't want to scare them, but, but really you have to focus on eyes of eternity. And, um, you know, that's their reality. So you're asking, what do you do when you wake up? It's like everybody but has a different reality kind of, although if you're in Christ, that's what knits us together is that reality. So I think that, but I would like to prepare my heart to be persecuted. You started out saying that how they persecuted Jesus. And if they persecuted him, how much more are we going to be persecuted? We don't need, we didn't even walk around without saying anything bad or, or lifting without lifting a hand or, you know, and, uh, and they killed him. So I think for me, the worst case scenario is I always try to prepare my heart for that, how to love your enemies, how to bless them that curse you. And um, I just try to reach for the highest, you know, the biggest thing for forgiveness is when he hung on the cross, Jesus, and said, you know, looked down and said, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. So in, in that realm, like, I try to reach for that and um, prepare my heart for that and um, and to love my neighbor and everybody's broken. It's like, we're just, I guess it's, you know, where God has this, like people that are, you know, appear to live in houses and drive cars and go to the grocery store. And when you really talk to them, um, they're really broken. Even Christians, they have a belief, but they're not, they might not be in church, but they said, no, Jesus, my Lord. And I thank him for where he's brought me out of. And, but yet their lives are so broken and messed up. And, um, so, so let me ask you this. Yeah, let me ask you this question because you said something that is uh, it just struck me deeply, and I apologize for the interruption. You can go back to what you were saying here just a moment. You said that you need to get closer to Jesus because you have to, or you desire to get closer to Jesus because you have to. Um, something just happened, and, and Brian and Kathy, I want you to speak into this, please, if you will. Um, last weekend, there was a large, there was a huge. Uh, movement among the churches in the United States of America, churches you wouldn't even consider that had beefed up their security. In other words, I was talking to friends that go to nice churches and they're, you know, good four or 500 people churches. But throughout the nation, I, I was told by, by my friend who was a Gideon and that their church, they doubled up on their security. What, how interesting is that, that we live at a time when churches beefed up their security, which would have been to defend the people inside the building and to uh, take out the threat against their lives. And to me, there's, there seems to be a dichotomy, but I know there's, I know there's, I know there's reasoning. I, I understand that. But the dichotomy of Christian churches that are employed by God to give life to people are now taking a defensive posture doubling up on their security because of the threat of, you know, Jane's revenge and all that stuff we talked about. Uh, what are your thoughts? You know, how does that figure into the equation 
of being a Christian in the year 2022 with the, the knowledge, the revelation that things are not getting easier. They're not turning back. They're not getting better. Um, but this threat, this constant threat, in-your-face threat is there. I just thought it was really strange that uh, churches all over the country uh, have become, are becoming defensive uh, to take out threats against the people. What, do you, what are your thoughts about that? Well, I guess, you know, the first thing is on one hand, I understand why they would do that. I understand the thinking, the, the impetus to, to react that way. And I can't guarantee that if there was uh, someone coming into a church with a gun and I had access to a gun that I wouldn't put a bullet in, his, in him to stop him. But at the same time, there's a voice inside of me. And, and it's not just the voice of Scripture where we don't see any apostle, we don't see any disciple, we don't see anybody fighting anybody. We see people being whipped and flogged and killed, but we don't see not one, one time you know, someone said, I heard someone said that Paul carried a sword, and I'm not sure if that's true or not, but there's no, there's no instance where Paul used a sword. And I know that when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane before they went, he told them to buy a sword, you know, and, and to bring one, and Peter brought one. But as soon as Peter used the sword, Jesus rebuked him and healed, the, the, and, and healed Malchus. And, and, um, and so also in terms of our experience, you know, we've been, had – on the mission field in particular, that we've had these these situations where like imminent death was upon us, and but the Holy Spirit was there also, and we were not only did we have complete total peace, but we walked away completely unscathed every time. I think it it's really we're being asked to to ask ourselves, you know, individually and as a body, is what is our faith in? Are we going to put our faith in firearms and fighting and things like that? Or are we going to put our faith in God and his word and what his word says? And, I, I mean, I, I know there's, there are all sorts of um, apologetic arguments for Romans 13 and the fact that, that um, you know, we don't, we don't submit to uh, evil forces, evil governments, because it's only in the context where the, where, the, where the authorities are standing for good and therefore it's our responsibility to stand up and, you know, and fight for our country, fight for our rights, fight for our ray of, way of life, fight for our security. But I just, I don't know. I, I just don't, I just don't see that. And I think you have to jump through a lot of hoops as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus Christ to ever, ever do bodily, intentional bodily harm to another human being. And, um, you know, and I also realize that it's a continuum. You know, it's uh, if if I were out on the street, it would be a lot easier to turn the other cheek if uh, someone was, um, you know, assaulting me, just me personally. But then if someone comes at my wife, you know, or comes through the door, it's like that's a whole different story. But I think it's a real enigma that we either just kind of like, as a body, we tend to just take a side and then just kind of like don't dis- discuss it any further. But I think it's something that we really need to wrestle with, especially in the coming days. You know, because when Peter said in, I think it's First um, Peter 2, uh, I think that's where it is. Don't quote me for sure, sure. But, you know, Peter basically talks about submission to authorities and and he ends with honor the king. And honoring the king at that time meant he was saying, telling believers to honor Nero. And Nero was you know, pouring, lighting Christians up as candles to light the streets of Rome after he, you know, did a false flag and and blamed Christians for the burning of Rome. And 
I just don't I just don't think it's just such an easy question. Okay, all right. So I'm gonna I want to get into this a little bit deeper. Then it's not an easy question, but uh, what about you know when you tie this thought into uh, what is going to become a very huge uh, issue in this United States of America, which is gun control. So under the philosophy of Christians should not you know defend themselves, they should not defend their flock, they should not carry weapons and kill anybody, or even put position themselves to do that. Wouldn't that go along with a gun control law? Because the founding fathers of this nation thought it was a, a wisdom to put a Second Amendment right to the citizenry of the country. And now we're looking at, you know, I, I'm just going through the list here, uh, just off the top of my head, you know, going back from the Oklahoma City bombing that killed so many hundreds of people. I'm going back to the 22 uh, that were dead in, a, in, in uh, I think it was in <clears throat> Denmark or I'll get, to, I'll get that exact place, uh, 58 dead at a concert, 26 dead at a Baptist church, 17 dead at a high school. And I go down the list about all these people, these evil, wicked people that are killing innocent people that don't have any weapons. And now the, the left is wanting to use it for a law to disarm the nation. So how do you balance the, the left's agenda to disarm the nation and a Christian ethic that says, you know, Jesus didn't kill anybody. I don't want to kill anybody. Um, so does my uh, unwillingness to carry and bear arms because I don't want to kill anybody uh, kind of tie into the, should we just allow for gun laws to come to power in this country and uh, for, for, you know, weapons to be taken away from the citizens? What's the point of having one if you're not going to use it, in other words? Um, yeah, I mean, and I fully understand the uh, the purpose of the Second Amendment. It has nothing to do with hunting, as, as the left wants to frame it as, but it is in, to defend ourselves against a, a, a tyrannical government. And I, I understand the wisdom of it, and I there's a part of me that supports the wisdom of it. I understand that I, I think people, there's a part of me that thinks that people should be able to carry guns and that people should be able to defend themselves. And... Um, my own natural inclination is is to fight, not to freeze or to run away, and so that's how I'm just that's how I'm wired in the natural. But then I have, but then but then there's God, you know. And I think, in a sense, you know, to be really honest, I'm still kind of double-minded when it comes to this this whole this whole uh, question of about the use of violence against another human being and you know james said uh, uh, an unsta- uh, 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 a double-sided double-minded man is unstable in all his ways and so i don't like being double-minded on this and it's something i think that that's why i said i think it's something that as a body i mean it's a very very serious question that we really need to take before the lord and we really need to hear directly from the lord because there's good arguments there's good apologetic theological arguments for both sides there's really rational good arguments as it, uh, on on our side. I think I think the left is insane. There's there is no good good argument for what they're talking about because these mass shootings take place in gun free zones. And if they had one person that was you know armed, you know, in, in situations where there is one person armed, generally for the most part, those people are stopped dead in their tracks, literally dead in their tracks, you know. And so it's yeah. um, logically speaking, we should have gun laws. Theologically speaking, in terms of what God's will and plan is, well, uh, well, yeah. you know what I would 
just thinking of our friends who I was just speaking of in Mozambique and all right. those people. They don't. They have. Um, they just have machetes, maybe, but they don't have any guns. And most of them, you know, they they're not defending themselves because the enemy does have, you know, AR-15s and they have rifles. They come in there, and um, so when you look at the big the the whole world, I mean, here we are in America thinking about our guns, our guns, our guns. But like you look at all the the bigger populations, they don't have they don't have guns. And what's happening is that people it, it's making them get closer to God. You know, they're depending so, on so God. Kathy, so Kathy, with that statement, uh, just a you know, just a quick question. So then, with what you just said, should there be a disarmament of weapons in the United States? Should they take the guns away from the people so that we could draw closer to God? Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I don't really have an opinion on that. Um, and I know that might be just, um, you know, maybe it's not good on my part, but I just feel like I'm not part of the, the political um, movement and all that stuff. I, I've just kind of unplugged for, from that. And my, I just want to be dependent on God. And, you know, I was thinking when you were talking that, okay, maybe I could have some pepper spray, you know, how would that, that was the question that came to my mind. How about some pepper spray if someone comes to your door, you know, because I sure don't, I I just don't have it in me to kill someone. But, but asking this question, like, should we, or shouldn't we um, with the arms, it's like the same thing with the food. I feel like God is presenting us the body of Christ with like, okay, are you going to store food? Are you going to keep a gun? Now, now we're thinking in the natural. Um, does he, he's going to, and now I don't know what the next question he's going to come up against, you know, what as the body of Christ, where he's going to push us or where he's going to, where we're going to have to um, make a decision, you know, who are we depending on? Yeah. Right. I think that's really what it, I think that's what it comes down to is who, the question is really is, God is presenting us with a situation of who we're depending on. Because as we're talking about, like, we talk about the left versus the right and the Republicans versus the Democrats, and there's Antifa and Black Lives Matter and all these political factions. I think of, you know, Jesus' words to his disciples. He said, beware the leaven of of Herod and the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And, you know, of course, Herod is just the world in general, but the Pharisees and the Sadducees were, not only were they opposing religious factions, you know, like, the Baptists versus the Assemblies of God, the cessationists versus the continuationists, but they were also opposing political parties. And when you really drill down to it, none of them were right. <laughs> In fact, the, fact, the, the reason why we had the Pharisees and the Sadducees were the, it was because of their departure from, from the, um, the sons of Zadok and the ones who actually you know, preserved the scriptures at Qumran. And so I, I kind of see like the body of Christ today is, is more like in many ways, more like the, the, the sons of Zadok, the, the descendants of the Zadok priesthood that preserved the scriptures in Qumran and, and were away from all the political drama and whatnot, because no, no side was right. Neither the Pharisees or the Sadducees were, were right about anything. They both got it wrong. And so I, I just think like what Kathy said, it really just comes down to who are we depending on? We really are, are pushed to the point now, like in the Exodus, at no point did the Israelites war against the Egyptians. They fled. They obeyed God. They overcame, you know, impossible circumstances when God parted the, the Red Sea for them. And then he fed them manna in the desert, and he led them to water, and he guided them, you know, day and night uh, uh, um, with a cloud by day and the, and the lamp by night, the flame by night. And um, 
it's just I think we're going into a time where we're going to have to be so utterly, completely dependent upon God that our own, the only question is, is are we being obedient to what he's having us do from moment to moment? So on a personal level, it, what, I'm, what I'm hearing is on a personal, and I know this is very uncomfortable. I mean, I've got friends probably saying, come on, get away from that conversation, move on to some deeper spiritual territory. Yeah. We, were in, we were in the spiritual territory last night, and, you know, we, we love that, that the beauty of the kingdom of God, I mean, it's not something we're ignorant of or avoiding, but I do feel like we're avoiding this question, and yet it's something that's happening all over our nation. Churches <clears throat> have security guards everywhere. And then, you know, I, I never liked the idea of, you know, a singular man having four or five bodyguards around him as though he's the most important guy. They should be protecting the flock. I think shepherds protect the flock more than the, the shepherd himself. But <clears throat> this is a very real issue. My heart is a bit disturbed about some things, I'll be honest. And um, I was, uh, I saw something, and it happened in Norway. And you all probably remember, I think it was in 2011. I'm not sure the exact year it happened, but uh, a man went onto an island in Norway after bombing a, uh, a an administration building, and uh, he killed uh, a lot of people that day. And he went onto an island where he, the children were, and this is real. This is the, the actual story. And he went on with an AR-15 and some other weapons, and he went onto that island and he shot and killed children, young kids. And there was nobody else on the island. He had already taken out the people that were there. It was a big gathering. The kids go there once a year. And he disguised himself as a police officer, went in and started shooting and killing people like it was hunting season. Like he was shooting, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't like to shoot anything, but it was just a hunting season. And so the left used that to bring disarmament or to, to bring gun control. I mean, and yet the people that were shot and killed was a nation that was not allowed to have weapons. And so they made a big political issue out of it. But what got into my, to my head, what I was considering was, how does somebody, what is the psychology of somebody that can walk onto an island and kill innocent, defenseless people? And how does a young man walk into a Baptist church in Texas and kill innocent people at a church service on a Sunday afternoon, 26 of them? How does somebody walk into a school and kill 17 kids that are disarmed in a school? And so every time there seems to be a shooting, it's happening where people are, you know, caught off guard, 58 people in Las Vegas, Nevada. And we could go on down the list, Ignatium, it just keeps happening over and over and over. And I'm trying to get not the, the issue technically, but the psychology of an individual that goes into Buffalo, New York, and shoots and kills 10 people at a grocery store. Or a young man that goes into Uvalde School and shoots and kills 22 people, 19 of them being children. And the psychology of this, I mean, obviously there's something wrong. That, that is a demented, sick psychology. Um, and, you know, I, I, I'm kind of looking at it, and it's grieving my spirit is what it's doing. I'm looking for answers. And the idea of just ignoring the question, ignoring the elephant, the 800-pound gorilla they say in the room, um, you know, ignoring it because it's uncomfortable um, you know, I'm, I've never been like that. I'm, I'm ready to, you know, I want to, I want to understand it. I want to get this, and from different sides and different perspectives, and you know, here we are. And the one thing I don't want to ever do is I don't want to go to hell for doing something that God doesn't want me to do. And so I think Christians, you know, you'd like to think that Christians read the same Bible that we all come up with the same answer. 
but the pre-trib rapture and once saved, always saved prove that's not going to happen. So what is the truth? What is the reality about this issue? And I kind of am the same way you are. I don't want to kill anybody. I don't have any desire to kill anybody. And yet, what would I do if I saw some madman going onto an island, shooting and killing? Shouldn't I shoot back if I had a gun? Or maybe I'm not supposed to have a gun, so I'll never shoot back and be one of the victims. And I'm just wrestling with this. And I'm sorry I'm bringing you guys into it, but it's what's in my heart today. No, I think it's a, it's a, I think it's a really, really important issue that, that like, as I said, we need to resolve it both individually mm-hmm. and corporately. And, you know, I think that um, because honestly, just knowing myself, just how I am wired in the flesh, if something like that was going on and I had a gun, I would kill the guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just like, yeah. I, I, I just wouldn't hesitate. This, I, I guess the question is, is like, why would I be having a gun? And, and I'm, I'm speaking from the perspective of someone that, you know, I came to the Lord in a literal shotgun wedding. You know, I charged a guy with a, with, a, with a shotgun in his hand screaming, shoot me, and he fired, and somehow I didn't get hit. And I got completely delivered from 20 years of, of drug and alcohol addiction in an, in an instant, you know, and then, then I became discipled. And, 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 but, I mean, it's like I, I know I know that God can save me from any situation. He can save anybody from any situation. Amen. And so the question is, is like, if I'm going to pull out a gun and shoot somebody, the question is, is did God tell me to pull it out and shoot somebody? Because like I said, I can come up with an argument that justifies my good intentions, you know, always. The per, any person that goes into the man who went in and did in Sweden and did all that killing and all that shooting, for whatever reason, in his mind, he felt like it was the right thing to do. And if he didn't think it was the right thing to do, he wouldn't have done it. You know, and so it's like the question isn't, it, you know, and, and, and it goes the same for wars and everything else. And we, you know, we, we I, I was, in, I'm a former Marine and I know like, for, for centuries, you know, in the United States, we've gone places and we fought people and we've killed other people because it was the right thing to do. And, and that's what we were told. That's what we believed. That's what we did. And that's what we continue to do. And then years later, we get the backstory and find out like, wow, this war that we've got into fighting, defending our country, fighting for our freedom and everything else. Well, it wasn't quite as pure and clean and the intentions and the reasons why we got into it aren't as pure as, as we thought they were. And, and too often it comes down to, you know, human beings being used as pawns by the financial and global elite to achieve their own goals that are completely separate from what we think we're doing. And so, <clears throat> I don't know. It's, uh, it's really, it, it's, it really comes down to an intimacy with God issue. Because if we, and, and what Kathy said last week about having oil in our lamp, you know, we've got to have oil in our lamp, and that oil in our lamp is really, it's, it's first and foremost, it's an intimate connection with the Lord so that we as his sheep hear his voice, we hear it clearly, and we have no question in our minds about what we're supposed to do. And so it's like if God tells us to defend somebody, then, then great, but right. better make sure it's God before you take another human life. Amen. Yeah, some and people I, think maybe, go ahead. Go ahead, Kathy, please. Well, no. Well, I was just going to say, some people might interpret the oil in the lamp as having the ammunition, your, your, um, yeah. lots of ammunition in your house, you know, next to your right. gu- guns. 
But, right. you know, with the people that, that do these crazy things, like, I think that there's a, they're hurt and they're angry, they're hopeless, and they're so mad that, that at someone, they're blaming someone else, and so they're just going to take everybody out, and, and they don't care. They don't have any hope. They don't really believe, and so it's the epitome of a, um, of a lost soul that's been taken over by the other side, by Satan, I guess. And the other thing is, like, when you think about, like, you're talking about how these churches are going to, you know, protect this or that, and let's just go a little bit in the future. Like, if we have to have our Goshen's and, you know, we've got our food storage and we've got our guns and we've got our water, and then and then the government or whoever is the enemy comes up and says, oh, look at these people. We want to take their there's resources or something. And so then you pull out the guns. Well, look at how David Koresh, the, the Davidians ended. Isn't that, that was like, this, just look at that scenario, how the government reacted to him. He, he was storing, you know, guns and stuff. And, and yes, he was crazy, but he proclaimed, you know, they were Christian or whatever the Davidian thing is, but they came upon them and they, they, that's what happened. It's just going to be a shootout. So whenever there's guns involved, someone's going to get killed. And it's not always the enemy. It's not always the yeah. other person. And it never ends good. Yeah. No, uh, and the, the David Koresh issue, that is huge. And, and that is something where they killed, firebombed, took out. I mean, and whatever, regardless of what the story is, there were a lot of people that died that day. Um, I think one of the things, there are people that maybe are listening right now that uh, there's no conversation in the world that's going to change anybody's mind, okay? I think people are set on this issue, um, you know. Mm-hmm. But what, what I despise, and I think a lot of people despise, uh, is the hypocrisy on the left of people that have been pulling for gun control because we know that their agenda is to disarm the nation, and then we could see what's happened in history take place here. And yet the very people on the left that are pulling for Uh, gun control, they have their own weapons, they have their own security guards. I mean, you know, if you're going to pull for disarming the nation, then disarm your security guards. Disarm, uh, go into your safe in your home and get rid of your handgun uh, or your rifle that you like to hunt with. It's just the hypocrisy that people are aware of that the people that are saying disarm the nation, disarm the nation, gun control, disarm the nation, they remain armed. And uh, yeah. I think people are, are onto that. It's uh, that's that's the, the the despised hypocrisy. Go ahead. Yeah, I just think that to me that's just like um, you know, it just goes with the territory. So it's just something that I can't control, and and uh, it is what it is. And I know yeah, that so, sounds like yeah, a passive, no. very passive statement. Well, it is passive in the sense that you know what you're saying is. Um, nowhere in the New Testament, and it's true, I mean, you could read from the book of Acts all the way to the book of Revelation, there's not one scripture from Acts to Revelation where the born-again, spirit-filled church is leading a revolution, defending itself with weapons. In fact, it was scattered to the ends of the earth through persecution. Nowhere do you see in the, in the Bible people that are defending themselves or going on, you know, military campaigns. And so, uh, and I share this with my friends. I tell them, you know, I know Jesus said, go buy two swords. And I said, what kind of revolution is that with two swords? You know, uh, what kind of battle is that? And there's just a, a lot of reasoning along with it. So I don't think the Bible is the book to form an opinion 
uh, because you can look at it both ways. Buy two swords. That means, there's, you know, get, get equipped and get armed. Or nobody's shooting or killing anybody in the New Testament from Acts 2, Revelation. So where does one form their opinion? Where does a man who has a family that Rhode Island last week, husband and wife, shot and killed in their home while they're sleeping with their three children in their bedrooms sleeping? Um, you know, I guess if you're just going to say, I'm going to walk in the spirit, I'm going to trust the Lord, uh, it shall not come nigh thy dwelling, I'm going to go with Psalm 91, I'm going to stand in the prophetic promises of God, only with my eyes will I see and behold the reward of the wicked, and I think, were, well, those little children, were they wicked? Were their parents wicked? Were the 51 people that were just baked to death in the back of a truck that was left in San Antonio, were they wicked? Uh, or is it just none of my business? Am I not supposed to think about it, leave it alone, move on with God and the kingdom and live my little life right here, right now, not addressing the issues of the world because the world is the world. But if you step out of the world, enter into the kingdom and live an abundant life now, hallelujah. So, I, and I, I don't belittle that. I just really, really have am looking for some solid information, but I don't know if we're ever going to find it. I think it has to be to every man's conscience. Your thoughts? Yeah, well, well, Kathy just whispered to me eternal perspective again. It's it we we have to have an eternal perspective, and we have to remember, as you quoted the, the in James, it's like this life is but a vapor, you know, and um, we we um, we aren't put on this earth to cling to our lives to the bitter end. We're not put on this earth to build our best life now, and and prosperity and poverty in terms of the material are really incidental. To how we walk in the spirit and I really and I think it really does come down to that question and every man's got to answer it every man woman and child has got to answer the question for themselves you know is like is what would you have me do in this situation Lord and you know in in Iran there are it's which is the second fastest growing church second only to Afghanistan fastest growing Iran's the second fastest growing church and you're literally having husbands and wives having conversations with one another where a husband is, is saying to his wife, what if you're, they have you in the other room and they're raping you and they're telling me that all I have to do is to deny Christ? What would you have me do? And the wives are saying, don't you dare. My body is not my own. My life is not my own. And so it's um, hmm. – it's uh, yeah. <clears throat> that's huge. And that does not minimize, minimize the pain, believe me, because, you know, it's, it's just horrific what's going on. And the pain of these families when they get the news that this was your loved one that this happened to, you know, it's just horrific pain. And, you know, and this is where we all need to prepare and have that eternal perspective. I'm not minimizing the pain and the sadness and the, and the, oh my goodness, but I just think that we have to, the only way to deal with this is to have the eternal perspective and to be prepared because I believe, you know, it's going to come knocking on my heart door, the pain. You know, I'm going to, you know, I, I have to prepare. This stuff has to be settled in your prayer closet before you go out for the day. Mm-hmm. You, you really got to come to terms with it. You one-on-one with God, like where, you know, if this, you know, what, what would you have me do, Lord? Well, it's, you know, he's going to, you're going to have to hear from him, and, and it's got to be based on the scriptures. So getting back to scripture, and, and just real quick saying this, in Luke chapter 13, um, there was present at, this, at that season some that told Jesus 
of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answered them. Now, here they are. They're coming to Jesus today. Jesus, Pilate just mingled all these Galileans' blood with sacrifice. I mean, it was a bloody mess. Lord, what do you think about it? And he says, do you suppose that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you, nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. And then he went on to say, or those 18 upon whom the tower in Siloam fell and slew them. Do you think they were sinners above all the men that dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. So this is a very interesting question because I'm, I'm pretty sure the people that came to him wanted him to do something about it. What are you going to do about this? And he said, repent. Repent. Yeah. Is there, are we witnessing, are people getting themselves in these positions because of a lack of repentance in their lives? Did those 26 people that were shot and killed in Texas, in the church, were they unrepentant? Were the 17 kids in Parkland, Florida unrepentant? Were the 22 people or the 19 children unrepentant? You know, what is Jesus saying here? Well, I, I think what he's what he's doing. This is this is one of my favorite scriptures when we talk about this kind of a thing. I forgot all about it, but but he's 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 setting priorities. Like what is most important? He doesn't say anything about the sins of of, of the Galatians or, or what they may or may not have done. And we don't know anything about the people that that we know almost nothing about the the people that do the shooting and killing. And we know even less about the people that are, uh, you know, at least initially that were killed. And of course, everything in the media, the media is going to frame the victim. They're going to enshrine the, the, the reputation of the victim, and they're going to be the most wonderful person in the world. I mean, look what they did with George Floyd. He was a horrible human being, you know, beating up pregnant women and everything else like that, and almost killing their baby. And and but they they enshrined his his uh, his legacy to make him just like this hero uh, of their culture. And it's just crazy. We so we really know nothing about the hearts of other people and, and where they're at in terms of their relationship with God or the lack thereof. But what I see Jesus doing is setting a, a priority like, Hey, this is what matters here. Repent, you know, the, let the dead bury the dead basically, you know, and, and it's like the focus here now is on the living. It's like, God will take care of whoever it is that died. And, 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 you know, he, he was very clear when he said tomorrow is not promised, you know, and and what does a man gain by by gaining the entire world and, and forfeiting his soul? But um, it's it's really the, our purpose here is to preach the gospel, to advance his kingdom, to advance the message, you know, to wake people up to to the reality that this life is just a vapor. We are all going to die. And the only thing that really, really matters in the very end is where are you in eternity? Whatever happens in this life, whether it's the most wonderful experience or whether it's the most horrific experience, what matters in the end is what happens in eternity. And what, and, and what determines our position in eternity begins and ends with our, the state of repentance that we're in. Are we surrendered to Jesus? Have we given our life to him and given our life back to him? I think that he's, yeah. he's also saying that, and you probably, maybe this is just a, of course, that's what he's saying, but, but like, don't think that um, 
just because you're a Christian that nothing bad is going to happen to you. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. hello. Well, it's about, yeah. you know, we're all humans on this <laughs> earth. It could easily say that, that, oh, it could easily be saying, suppose you that all those 14 children that were murdered, um, you think they, they were murdered because they were sinners? That's what he's saying, you know, and it's like, it's like, no, it, it's, it has nothing to do with that. We're, you know, we're all going to perish, but where are we going to go after we leave this world? Yeah. What is the question? Go ahead, Brian, please. What if that day is, what, I was just saying, what if that day is today? That's it. That's how we should be living. This day, our soul might be required of us, any of us, at any point in time. Yeah. Hey, let's do this. Uh, I think we're going to give ourselves just a little momentary break here. Let me read some of the comments that are going on in the chat room and see. Uh, I haven't looked at them, but I want to say uh, good morning to a number of people. And there are some comments that uh, may help us in our conversation. Uh, Kevin Hauger is with us this morning. Good morning. Cindy Messman is with us. Good morning, Cindy. God bless you. And Kevin. Uh, I'm sorry to just ramble through the names. You guys are precious to be on the air. Uh, Pastor Denny Sossaman is saying good morning. Um, good morning, Brian and Kathy. Can't wait to meet you both. That's coming from Cindy and Mark. Last night, Bible study was awesome and amazing. I believe so. It was too. Uh, David Ellison is with us. Good morning. Carol Page is with us. Carol Carey, good morning. Shirley Woolsey in Texas, good morning. Uh, good morning to all of you. God bless you again. Um, then we have Laquita is with us this morning. And then we have uh, Kevin uh, Hauger is giving, a, I think, one of the first comments here. He said, with the issue of the sword incident in John 10 with Peter, he was defending Jesus and drew his sword and smote the high priest's servants ear off and wasn't provoked, and Jesus told him to put up his sword. Having a sword or weapon is not discounted, but the purpose. Okay, very good. I, I hear that comment. Um, and Jim Boltmeyer says, I believe God would want us to survive as people to defend the innocent. I believe through strength all allows peace to prosper, but now we must defend. The watchman was to watch and warn, but silence made you as guilty as the attacker. So to do nothing is that the same, not to defend innocence. I believe God would judge, uh, God would judge was for our works even here. All right, Jim, well said. <clears throat> Laquita says, all of 1 Peter 4 is powerful in how we are to respond. In particular, verse 15 says, But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other man's manners. This verse hit me about a year ago regarding Christians with firearms. Okay, Jim Butler. Now, is there a difference between a murderer and somebody that kills somebody in defense? That's a big question I've heard. Jim says, In last days, we need weapons also for hunting food. It also helps keep our own government from dictatorship and control of the masses. And then Cindy says, what about being forced to take the mark of the beast? Do we fight or lay down? And then we have um, uh, David Ellison, the mark won't be forced but taken voluntarily. Shirley says, I think we stand. I may be wrong, but I say stand. Jim says, you realize on the sixth trumpet, 200 million radical Muslims will be released against God's people. So there we have some comments. Did anything strike a chord in you, uh, Brian or Kathy? <clears throat> um, uh, so everything in given in a certain light, everything said makes makes sense. You know, I, I guess the last thing I thought of was you know when Cindy said the mark of the beast, and I believe it says in Revelation 13 that those who don't will be beheaded. 
Um, and, um, yeah, and, you know, guns for hunting, um, yeah. you know, it's, that's not the, that's really not, that's not the purpose of the Second Amendment. You know, and just kind of thinking in terms of just gun use, period, right, because I am a former Marine, and I am trained to use guns, and, you know, I, sometimes I hear, even Kathy, she said, well, if I had a gun, I would try to, like, shoot them in the leg or something like that, and I know that that is, just from a, a gun perspective, is absolutely insane, if you have a gun and you draw the gun, you draw the gun to fire it, and if you fire the gun, you fire it to kill a person. And that's the principle of using firearms in combat. You're not trying to injure them. You're not just trying to stop them. Find a different way if that's what your plan is, because drawing a gun is to take a human life in, in, a, in a combat situation, period. You know, and if you, if you don't understand that, the only thing you're going to do is get yourself killed. But, yeah. Um, yeah. but I think that we have to have, I think that we have to come to a place within ourselves as individuals and then corporately, but first as individuals, because, it, you know, what, what is our stand, you know, and I'm in a place where I, I'm not going to pull a gun and shoot somebody. So I don't own a gun. I'm not going to do it, you know, and that's me personally. And I honor people that have a different stand because I'm not the know all be all. I'm not God, you know, and I could most certainly be wrong, but I believe God is calling me to depend upon him and to depend upon him alone. And if he, wants, if he wants me to have a gun and use a gun, he can put it in my hand. And he can, and he can, but at the same time, he can defend me without a gun, as he has done so many times, whether it's Schwarhead hunters down in the Amazon in Ecuador or with uh, Honduran militia, um, you know, pulling us over and, and drawing down on us with M16s and MP5s or or uh, whether it's a landslide, you know, that took out our house. I mean, just repeatedly over and over again, um, we've been preserved by God when it's like we could have and maybe should have otherwise been killed. And so I'm going to personally depend upon him and just lean on him and trust in him and worry about hearing from him. And it's not just, not just in the sense of guns, but just from day to day to day, moment to moment to moment. There's the me decision and there's the God decision. And the me voice gets dimmer the more I focus on his voice. And, and eventually, hopefully, I don't have to hear me at all, and I can only hear him. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, well, I have a well question. Said. Oh, go ahead. Okay. Sorry. No, go ahead, Kathy, please. Oh, okay. Um, well, I was just wondering, like, um, with Jim, and uh, God bless him, we were really blessed by hearing him talk and stuff. And this isn't to attack, but since he made the point, I would like to ask someone in his position – Let's say that um, there's 10 kids in a room and uh, the enemy comes in and says, points a gun and says, I'm going to take these kids to be sex slaves or whatever. Unless you deny Jesus, would, would, he deny, would you deny Jesus because to save the lives of these children? Mm-hmm. That's a big question. Well, they can answer that in the chat room. Um, you know, well, we're talking about guns, okay? I, I want to just kind of shift here just a little bit. Um, we're, uh, as we're talking about, you know, the, the rights to bear arm, a constitutional right in the United States of America to defend yourself against a tyrannical government that is a historical reality and people don't listen to history, they repeat it. Um, there is something a little bit more intense than just Americans holding on to guns. And it is the fact that Russia may be launching nuclear weapons, and we may be seeing mushroom clouds all over our nation. And when I read out of Revelation chapter 9, and I begin in verse 13, 
And it says, the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel, which had the trumpet, loose the four angels, which are bound in the great river Euphrates. And the four angels were loosed, which were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year for to slay the third part of men. And the number of the army of the horsemen were 200,000,000, which is 200 million. And I heard the number of them. So a third of the population of the earth. Now, if there's, you know, <clears throat> if, if by this time, if there's 4 billion people, 5 billion people, 6 billion people, you're talking like 2 billion people in a war that's coming and a nuclear war at that. And so there's some a lot bigger weapons that are about to be employed all over the world, potentially, possibly. The Bible says it's going to happen. We just don't know the timing. But right now, it's building up with these NATO forces calling out Finland and uh, who's the other one? Finland and Sweden, I think. Uh, Yeah, Sweden. So, you know, what about the anarchy after 7 to 15 nuclear bombs are detonated in the United States and the the government is taken out in Washington, D.C., and now we're left in an environment of, you know, there's no diesel fuel, the trucks have shut down, and we're living in this environment. We're still going to have to trust the Lord, aren't we? Yes, we are. Yes. And, you know, now, but, lessons, that we, lessons that we learned in Mozambique are, you know, they're, they're constant. That country has had just nothing but civil war and, and, and you know, natural disasters, absolute calamity. And, and um, you know, there's they have their little tiny little bases in the, the, the Irish ministries have their little tiny bases in Mozambique. And I mean, there's absolutely nothing extravagant about them at all. And they're surrounded by sometimes these hordes of people, but God protects them. And when, when something happens, they're not like thinking about, well, how are we going to defend ourselves about these advancing hordes? They're thinking about how are they going to feed people and how are they going to, how are they going to preach the gospel? And, and how are they going to try to meet the needs, the, the basic needs, so that they can preach the gospel? Everything, though, everything is about is about advancing the gospel. It's never about like, oh, how are we how are we going to keep safe and how are we going to defend ourselves? Because I think where it comes into that is where Jesus said, it's like he who saves his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for me will gain it. And I think those are literal, like not just a, a spiritual kind of like, uh, oh, we're going to live forever in heaven kind of context, which is also true. But I think it's also true here on earth. And I think that, that with the experiences that we've had where we've been supernaturally protected, it's always been in the context of pursuing being obedient to the Lord, doing what he has for us to do in, in that moment in time. And that is where when something does happen, even if we were to die, we had such complete, total peace. I mean, peace that passes all understanding that we can't even, I can't even put it into words. And so I think we really need to, like, you know, even in the, this is a really important discussion and everybody's got to come to a conclusion about it. But I think the bottom line is like, what does Jesus have the church here? What is our function while we're here on earth? You know, and um, what are we supposed to be doing? What is our mission? And I, I think yeah. that's where the focus really needs to go. That's huge. Because you're not yeah, going to advance is... the gospel with a gun in your hand. <laughs> no, that is, that is a huge point. It's, it's a valid point. Uh, so I'm thinking about, uh, you know, the, the, the balance of the word of God. You go back 2,000 years, the greatest power on the face of the earth was the Roman Empire. And they had the greatest military power. And Jesus is warning his disciples that a time is coming that 
Rome and its armies, most likely as pro- their proxy armies in the Middle East, uh, they're, they're going to come and your temple's going to be destroyed. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to run for your lives. I want you to flee to the mountains. And, I, and you ask the question, you know, the Lord doesn't say, hey, get your, your guns and try to defend yourself. And it was because the military power of Rome, there was, it was an unstoppable force. And little old Jerusalem was not going to be able to fight against them. But he doesn't tell them to just lay down and surrender. He tells them to run for their lives. And the history from Josephus about 70 AD where mothers were cooking their babies and they were eating their babies and they were eating their shoe leather and the people got trapped and they were surrounded by the armies until they invaded. But the Christians who saw the signs of the times, they ran for their lives. How does Jesus, you know, the, the, the supernatural God Almighty, you know, and, and people that have a faith and a trust in him, why does he tell his disciples to run for their lives when they see this army coming. Why didn't Jesus just, and and again, I am not touching the Lord at all or questioning him. It's just kind of a a whimsical thought. Why didn't he just call for legions of angels to wipe out the Romans? Because it was a time of judgment upon Jerusalem for the rejection of Christ, right? Right. Yeah. It it was definitely a time of judgment. But even even to, to add to that, it's like, the paradigm that Jesus gave us for battle was submission, and, and it, it's not fighting, you know. And he gave us the model when he stood before Pilate. He showed us how we're, how we're supposed to respond to our persecutors, people that, that wanted to and did, you know, flog him, beat him, you know, as he said, pull his beard, poke him, hit him with sticks, and then nail him to a cross and mock him while he, while we, while he was up there. And at any point in time, he could have come off that cross, kicked butt and taken names and, and you know, taken control of, of Jerusalem. But then he would have, like, ruined God's entire eternal plan for the redemption of all humanity. And um, it's, we just have this sense in our mind of, like, that, that domination is – is the way that we're going to to win, and that's how human beings do it. Okay. But um, it's I, I I don't see it. It's not it. Yeah, he said, "My <laughs> no, kingdom it, is not of this world." Amen, amen. That is absolute. Now, now hold on one second, guys. Here we go. We got some calls coming in, and so uh, let's get our, our our radars tuned in. Let's take a few calls here this morning. I'm going to start with uh, Bill. He's out on the road today, driving a, a truck across the country. Good morning, Bill. God bless you. Welcome to the broadcast. You're on the air. What are your thoughts or comments? Well, good morning, Pastor. Good morning, Brian and Kathy. Good morning. I have, good morning. Uh, I, 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 don't, I don't think that Brian is double-minded. I don't believe that for a second. I think that what he has to understand is that God is the one that put that spirit of courage or spirit of boldness in him to not only protect himself or to lay down his life for others, okay? And and uh, the dichotomy of the gun deal, I, I think anybody that carries a gun uh, that, uh, 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 that, that, that has the spirit of the living God in them, the, the gun is the last thing that you want to pull out. It, the first thing you want to pull out is your weapons of, of spiritual warfare and defeat that. But we also know that the word of God is very clear that it said God created the evil man for a purpose, okay? He also says that God hates the shedding of innocent blood, okay? You say, well, he told Peter, those that live by the sword 
die by the sword, okay? To pull your weapon out and defend your fellow uh, uh, ecclesia, if somebody is coming in to do harm, that is an evil person, number one. Number two, that's not innocent blood. And, and number three, you're not living by the sword, but you're using it to stop the threat at that particular time. And, and uh, uh, I, I think that we are living in a time where we are going to see the spiritual manifest in the physical. And so, and so uh, that, that decision, any, any human being, I don't even care the Navy SEALs, the, the, the Air Force PJs, the Army Rangers, any human being that desires to take the life of another human being uh, needs to have a checkup from the neck up, okay? You should not, even the most vile, evil, wicked person, you should not desire to have to take their life, ever. You shouldn't do it. But, but, but when you, when you and, and, and you could say, well, we can go to the Old Testament, well, that's under the Old Covenant. That was before Jesus and all that. Well, the, bot- the bottom line is, is that, is that God said he hates the shedding of innocent blood, and he created the evil man for a purpose. He says that he wished that none would perish, but he knows that they are. He knows that they are. Otherwise, he wouldn't have David, you know, or, or other uh, uh, men in the, in the Bible wipe out whole, whole groups of people, okay? It's going to happen. And so, and so what we need to do is make sure that, that, that as a person that that, that strongly believes in the Second Amendment, but also believes that the battle is spiritual, number one, that we try to stop it there. But for whatever reason, if we can't, and we have to go to the physical, desire never to shed innocent blood, ever. Okay? And that's just, that's just my thoughts. I don't think Brian's double-minded, Pastor. I, I, I think God is the one that created him with that spirit of boldness or courage to, to defend his wife or defend the ecclesia, uh, and 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 uh, uh, whichever way possible that that he has to, I, I do like the part of the testimony where they said there were times when when uh, uh, that I mean they were facing death and they walked away unscathed. Well, my question would be, at those times, and that is an awesome testimony, but at them times that you were in that position. Did you even have anything to defend yourself with? Okay? In, in other words, the people in Mozambique, they don't have anything to defend themselves with, so they have to rely on God to defend mm-hmm. them. And, and some of them are being amputated and having their arms and limbs cut off and everything else. Uh, uh, you know, we all know what the Bible says about martyrs, and praise God, I hope their hearts are right, and, and they'll get their martyrs reward. But, uh, but nobody desires to see me. No, no decent human being, God-fearing human being, desires to see somebody die that way or to have another life taken. That, that's all I'll say to that pastor, and I'll listen. Y'all have a all right, well, day. And I'll bet the people in Mozambique would probably love to see the Calvary come over the hill and save their lives, I would imagine. But, Brian and Kathy, speaking to what you just heard, we have another call waiting on the line as well. But any thoughts about that call? No, I, I, I hear what he's saying. And, um, you know, like I said, when, when, in terms of my being double-minded, I'm, I'm, if I had a gun and I was in a situation like that, I already know 
that um, that uh, how I would react. And okay. and uh, I don't have a gun. And he's right. In those situations, we we didn't have a gun. However, the context was that we were like walking in in extreme obedience to the Lord. And I think that that was that was what yes. actually, in terms of our action on our part, was what preserved us and we walked through it and um and you know it had an impact on on people that, around us at the same time and um but you know it's it's uh yeah it's a it, it's a it's something it's a decision that that everybody has to make because it's true that god said he hates the shedding of innocent blood but at the same time it doesn't it, you know it might mean that he's okay with with guilty blood being shed but I don't know. It's uh, like I said, I, yeah. I, I am to the point where I, I am wrestling with it. I am taking it be- before the Lord. And it's the kind of thing where I want to have absolute clarity on it before the times come when things where, where, where what's coming finally arrives. I want to be prepared yeah. for it and I want to be resolved in my own spirit and mind. I think that hmm. also if you look at um, like third world countries such as um, parts of Africa for example, that we've been there, you'll see a lot more um, miracles happening. Mm-hmm. You will see food multiplied. Yeah. You will be see a lot of peace in the midst of uh, chaos. And, it's, of course, these people don't have other resources like we do in first world countries. So they are more dependent upon God. That's all they Amen. have to depend on. And so mm. what does that speak <laughs> Yeah, very good, very good. All right, let's take our next call. Let's see what we have going on over here. This is from a, a brother calling in. I believe this is Pastor Mike showing up. And, Michael, a happy birthday again to you yesterday, sir. And uh, what are you going to share with us today? God bless you. God bless you. Hi, Brian and Kathy. Uh, Hi. You know what? Hi. Aloha. You know what? I think there's a question here that's been arising through this uh, uh, conversation here. And I think somebody said, to pull or not to pull? That is the question. Is it most nobler in the mind to pray with Jesus or shoot the gun and say, kill the person and then say, Jesus loves you? That's the question I thought was rising up. I thought that could have been a good answer, but that was my thought. But I've got a couple thoughts and a question for you all. Uh, Kathy, you hit it right before uh, Brother Bill called up. He said, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. And that's what my thought was during this whole time I was listening, when Jesus stood before, who was it, Pilate or Caesar, one of the two. And he says, well, why aren't your, he's being accused, why isn't your army fighting? He says, well, if my kingdom of this world, then my servants would fight. And I was thinking, you know, Jesus had a secret service that we can't see, but he never pulled it out. He had it working for him. And then Pastor Vincent said, why doesn't the president disarm the Secret Service? If he feels he doesn't need it, then why doesn't he do it? And he's talking about the hypocrisy of getting rid of the guns and uh, trying to get rid of the gun law and stuff like that. So the whole question here in my heart is this, and you guys touched on it a little bit. When you pull that trigger, you got to have the absolute confidence that your conscience is clear in the matter and that's what i hear what brian is saying is that where will you be in eternity so the question that i want to put out and i've talked to pastor vincent about it and i don't i haven't heard anybody give me an answer maybe this might be given in a later time the answer but 
in the book of Revelation, we have discovered that there is a quest that Jesus puts out to the churches, to he who overcomes, to he who overcomes to the churches. And in one of them, he says, to him who overcomes, I will make you sit down on the throne judging the 12 tribes. You'll be judging. You'll be in a position as kingship in the millennium reign. Okay, so we understand that. And then there was a discovery that there were some who came out of the tribulation, washed their robes in the blood, standing before the throne. So my point is this. Question is this. If you're an overcomer, and this is your quest, because we should be all overcomers to get the victory. When you pull that trigger, trigger, are you jeopardizing possibly your position of sitting on the throne or standing on the throne? I mean, uh, standing on the throne or sitting before the throne? And I have that question. So this whole gun thing and having a sword, having a gun, it, 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 it raises a big question within the body of Christ. Some are convinced I'm going to do it. Some say, you know what, I'm going to rely on my spiritual weapon. I'm going to rely on that and that alone. But it brings this, like, little bit of, like, unbalance within the body. And so I would love to have a perfect answer and a perfect piece because I'll tell you what, I love to shoot the gun. I mean, I've never shot so many guns coming out here into Arkansas. I mean, they're all small, small arms, so to speak. So I said, you know, after I shot all of them from handguns to shotguns to AR, whatever, 12 to, to semi-automatics, and then I said, that's it? So now I have put down all the small arms, and it, for me, it's just 50 cal or bigger now. I just want a 50 cal <laughs> to shoot that, and I am be satisfied in my heart. Anything bigger above 50 cal, bring it my way. But anyway, okay. that's my thought. That's my comment. I love you guys, and we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. <laughs> Okay. All right. He wants to shoot 50 cows. I think maybe a tank, bazookas. What do you think, Brian? We've got another call well, coming in waiting on the line. So let's, let's answer this one first. No, go ahead. Well, if, I'm, your, if, your I'm gonna, if I'm going to shoot a gun, 50 cal would be the way to go. <laughs> but no, exactly. I, 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 I'm right on the same track. Yeah. 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 Okay. Very good. Um, let's take a next call coming in. This, uh, this is kind of a, Coming from area code 605, I believe this could be Brother Ken calling into the broadcast, all the way from South Dakota. Good morning. God bless you. Welcome to the broadcast. you have a question or a comment? I have a comment. Um, <clears throat> as of right now, the way I look at this is, and I've done this most of my life, I put God first, my family second, my mission, my ministry third. Um, at my age today, I have to use a gun if I'm going to use for protection, mainly because of my age. When I was younger, I would have fought physically, but today I would have to use a gun or some means of a protection or a club or whatever. Um, I believe in I believe in um, I believe in fighting for my family. If someone were to come in when I was younger and that was going to rape my daughter, if I would have had to, I would have died myself, but I definitely would have fought if it would have been with a gun or with my fist. I mean, I would have fought. So as of right now, I'm not against violence. I, if it's used in the proper manner, I, uh, I have a, 
allegiance first to God, then to my family, then to my country. So, I mean, I've, I've lived somewhat by that standards uh, most of my life. Um, and as of right now, I do trust God, but I don't trust the devil. And there's a lot of people walking around with the spirit of the devil on them. So, I mean, um, main thing is, is being in the right place at the right time with the right people, if we can be, and not get involved with the people that are walking around with the spirit of the devil. Hmm. Hmm. Very interesting. All right. Very, very good. Very, very good. Uh, Brian, Kathy, any comments to what we just heard? Um, yeah, I, I totally respect that. And I think a lot of people would be in the same position in their thoughts and, and uh, what they think they would do. And, but something that came to my mind was an um, incident that happened, I don't know, maybe it was 10, 15 years ago. Um, I think it was in Georgia where a, a man, a crazy man, was driving around. I think he killed some people, and then he forced himself in a, in a single woman's apartment. Yep. And yep. Um, obviously she didn't have a gun, but she preached the gospel to him and made him pancakes. And then the police came and took him away. And, she you know, read I the book, the, yeah, she read the yeah. book, The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. Right, but she also, yeah, yeah, yeah. and so um, the opportunity, you know, and um, that maybe he, we don't know if he gave his life to the Lord, I don't know, only God knows, <laughs> but, but it's just a um, situation of, you know, of a, of a different outcome. Yeah, it worked. It was a phenomenal story, phenomenal story. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen it time and again where people, you know, come in for an evil purpose, and by the Spirit of God, they're turned away. You see that in the life of Jesus. Um, you know, demon-possessed people coming to do harm, and he just sets them free. So the supernatural is definitely a huge part of this whole equation. Um, what a discussion. Brian, your thoughts at this point? Anything else we want to share about this? Uh, I know uh, that Kevin and Jim have got some further comments um, on the line as well. Um, Kevin said, God sent the Jews over to different nations that had been on the land that he gave the Jews. I believe that the army never had to lift a hand to fight those nations, and they came back not harmed. They were obedient to the Lord. I believe that will happen again. God-fearing people have no sin in them. Jim replied to that, but when God took his people into the Holy Land, he told them to kill all the Canaanites, everything. Why? Because they were all evil. So even God ordains things we don't understand. I do not believe God would reject people he told to do this. This is about evil and innocence. And then Jim finalized by saying, of the Christians and Jews never defended themselves, uh, how far would we have gotten through history? If the Christians and Jews never defended themselves, how far would we have gotten through history? It's a great question. Um, All right. Very, very good. Your thoughts, Brian and Kathy? I am. Um, yeah. I mean, it's the, the, the difference I would say between <clears throat> in, with that argument is that, that um, the difference I have is that God told them specifically to go in and do it now. And I'm, and I'm really, really, really strong on the fact that it's like, if God tells me to pull a trigger, then, then that's different. But yeah. this isn't really a str- an act, absolute, uh, um, you know, directive from God that we're talking about here. And what we're doing is we're framing good versus evil in our own minds. And everybody is using the term, well, innocent and, and guilty, good versus evil. And, 
And well, what, what do we really mean? Because, you know, before I came to the Lord, I was dead in my trespasses, according to the Bible. You know, I was a child appointed to wrath. I was evil, you know, and the only thing that makes me not evil is being in Christ. It's the blood of Jesus. It's what he did on the cross, and he submitted himself to die a criminal's death on the cross, and then he was resurrected by the hand of God. When he, before, and he, I think it was Mike who, was, who brought up, who continued what Kathy said, you know, that, that Jesus said that if, if my kingdom was of this world, then my followers would fight for me, and they didn't. And I think that his message there is that is that we shouldn't. And so, you know, I forget who it was, it Bill, who was saying that uh, I'm, I'm losing track of names here. But anyways, the, uh, the truck driver who was talking about that God created evil men with a purpose. Well, we're, we're, we're all now fallen and we're all in sin until we come in, into Christ Jesus. And, and he has very, very, very specific directives, I think. In, in how we're supposed to respond and pretty much any gun argument that I've heard thus far is it's, it's an extra biblical argument. And I think we're, at least I'm coming to a place in my own life where everybody has to make their own decision, but I'm coming into a place in my life where I really, really want anything that I believe to be true, any standard or any code that I hold for my life, um, to be biblically based. I want to have two or three witnesses. I want to be able to be like an Acts 17:11 Berean, where even when Paul went and preached to them, they, sought, they searched the scriptures to see if what he was saying was true. And if I can't see it in, in, in terms of the directives and words of Jesus, then I, I, I don't think I should do it. So, let me also, ask, let me ask. Go ahead, Kathy. No, I'm go sorry. ahead. Ask Brian. No, no, no it's continue. A, ask Brian. <laughs> Okay. Okay. So if I don't want to smoke cigarettes and I, and I, and I used to smoke two packs of cigarettes a day and I say to myself, well, I don't want to smoke anymore. Well, I'm not going to bring cigarettes into the house. I'm not going to buy cigarettes. I'm not going to bring cigarettes into my house. If I don't want diabetes because, you know, I've got a, uh, a past where people have had diabetic issues and I don't want to be diabetic. Well, I don't want to bring sugar into my home. So I have to find a way to make a decision. If I don't want to kill anybody, then I don't bring a gun into my home. Um, and, and I have to get to a place where, and again, in this conversation, decisions have to be made. And as I said at the beginning, you know, for the, the people that are being killed over in Afghanistan or where you guys were talking about Zimbabwe, um, you know, to see the cavalry come over the hill and to defend them, they'd probably be very happy. We grew up in the United States with these TV shows that the bad guys were hurting people, and then the good guys would come and shoot them dead, and everyone would go, yay! Um, you know, you have to come to a place, and, and it's getting a little bit more serious. Now, if I don't read this, I'm not going to have spaghetti for a week, maybe a month. I don't know. But Patricia <laughs> Joy would not forgive me if I did not read this passage. And so I've got to read it out of Revelation chapter 3, verse 10. And it says, because you have kept the word of my patience... I also will keep you from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. And, you know, Patricia is absolutely in her, in her position, in her mind, she is settled. And her settlement mm-hmm. is trusting fully without any backup plans. She's trusting in the Holy Spirit, the weapons of our warfare, walking in the spirit, 
um, that this will be God's ability to protect what belongs to him. And so if God is our God and he is going and he is our protector, uh, Jesus said, you could have no power over me unless my father gave it to you. So if somebody comes to a place in their Christian faith and says, I believe in the power of God to protect my life, and I don't need to protect it. I don't need a backup plan. God is it, and I'm 100% in. Well, she's saying right here with Scripture, there are promises. And again, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will save the Lord. He is my refuge, my fortress, my God, and him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid of the terror that walks by night or the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flies by, uh, you know, the noonday. And, for, you know, the, the, the Psalm 91 promise, it shall not come nigh thy dwelling. So there are people in this earth that have made a decision they are not going to look at guns and weapons and bullets to defend themselves. They trust God to be their protective hedge. And then God gives these incredible promises. And, you know, we're all getting a little bit older and we've been protected this long without having to protect ourselves. We've been delivered from a lot of things. And yet there are other people that have grown up in military homes. They've been born again. They love the Lord. They are the heroes of the world. And in, in World War II, if, we didn't have the military of the United States. We'd all be speaking Shinto or German right now if there was not a, uh, a war fought to protect the people. So I guess there's only, you know, one answer. And it's every man, every woman has to be fully persuaded in their own mind of what they're called to do. And then to be responsible for that decision and to deal with the consequences. Now, David said that he was not allowed to do something because there, he was not allowed to build God's house. Here's a man of war, David. He is not allowed to build the house of the Lord because the blood was on his hands. He was a man of war. And so he was declined the ability to build God's house. So he gave it to his son, Solomon. So the argument could go down back and forth, back and forth. But I, I, I guess, Brian and Kathy, the only true answer is you have to be fully persuaded in your own mind. And if you're looking for an answer in the Bible to solidify that decision, well, that's where, again, this, this conversation has gone today. Your thoughts? Yeah, I, I just, um, well, for one thing, I think Kathy and I both agree 100% with Patricia. And, um, you know, it's like the weapons of our warfare, not carnal. And in Ephesians 6, it talks about that we, we don't war against flesh and blood. You know, he said, Paul says, having done all to stand, stand therefore. And then he go, talks about the goes into the whole armor of God. And the whole armor of God is really, those are the weapons of our warfare. There's nothing about guns. The only offensive weapon we have is, is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And but this whole this whole thing it's always stuck in my mind. Having done all to stand, stand therefore, and I've always taken that to mean that it's God is not telling us, you know, in in the context of of warfare to run away, and He's not telling us to attack. He's telling us to stand. 
you know, and, and then, you know, using, use the, the, the full armor of God as our warfare, as our weapons of war. And, you know, for me, it's, it's, um, that's, that's what I've, that's really what I've got to lean on. And I really truly believe that if I do get into a position where I resort to physical violence rather than dependence upon God, it's going to be a failure on my part and a failure to stand upon what God has shown me repeatedly in my own life. Just repeatedly okay. that he is there and he will protect me. Amen. And Kathy, I'm going to, I'm going to yield to you just one moment. And yet we know, Brian, you know, I know, everybody listening knows, and yet we know if the Christians in the United States of America, because we're talking predominantly Christians, if you're not a Christian, you better get a gun. I mean, you better be armed up, right? But we know that if we were to lay our guns down in this country, that there is a global agenda, and that what happened to the Jews during Nazi Germany, because they had no defense against that governmental power, if we were to lay our guns down with the hostile governmental forces that are here today that are promoting shedding of innocent blood, promoting the homosexual agenda, which is an abomination to God, if there was a laying down of arms in this country, we'd be being hauled off into the concentration camps or running for our lives so that we're not caught. And that is where this battle is right now. If the people of this nation lay down their weapons, there's an evil adversary that's ready to take them into prison and and lock them down. Now, can they do it right now? Can this government employ the United States military forces to go to war with the American citizens to get them, you know, to submit finally because they want our submission? So how do you tie that into the conversation? No, I, I think you're absolutely right. If the United States, if we laid down our arms today, then then we would advance the, the, the Revelations 13 agenda where, exactly. I mean, and that's, that's what would happen. And, you know, and there will be, he was slain with a sword by the sword will be slain. And, and those who are called going into captivity into captivity, they will go. It doesn't say that there's going to be like any prevention or anything else like that. And I think it's, it's it, whether Americans put down their weapons today or whether their weapons are taken away from them later, it's uh you know, it's really just more about the timing of the advancement of the end days, you know, the final birth, you know, the birth pains that we're beginning to experience now, we believe, um, culminate in a birth. And, and as, as I've always said, it, any woman that, that went into labor and didn't know she was pregnant would probably think that she was dying. And I think a lot of people are going to view the, the tribulation in the context of dying rather than the, the, the birth of God's eternal kingdom, both on earth and in heaven. <clears throat> Amen. Amen. Well said. Um, there was a man many years ago, I think it was the 1990s, maybe the late 1980s. His name was Rodney King. Rodney King was uh, beaten by uh, police officers. And uh, when this whole thing was going on, it was a very violent thing that was going on. And I think, you know, there were two sides of the story. But I remember Rodney King saying, man, why can't we just all get along? And, you know, the idea of why can't we just all get along in our present society, in, our, in the present uh, atmosphere that has been kind of promoted uh, in our society. Do you know that, and again, I'm jumping around here, there, I was watching this morning about the states that will not allow abortion. Uh, in the news media, they were saying there are 26 states 
that will not allow abortion, but New York is opening its doors to people to travel to uh, to get an abortion. Do you know 26 is basically exactly one half of our nation? We are so divided down the middle of our nation. It's unbelievable. When they said that, I thought, wow, we are split down the middle and a nation divided cannot stand. Uh, The atmosphere, and it's all, Brian and Kathy, I believe this is true, it's all judgment. It's because Mm -hmm. God has warned our nation, now we're not going to be able to fight against the judgment of God. Your thoughts? No, yeah. And, you know, ultimately, it's like someone said that, uh, you know, basically all these people that want abortion and transgenderism and men, you know, dancing naked, shaking their junk at children in the streets and things like that, all these crazy things that we see on video is, uh, you know, they're all going to move to these places where they want to do that. And, you know, ultimately, they're going to call their own herd. (laughs) It's like, if you're not going to, if everybody's gay and everybody's having abortions, then there's not going to be anybody carrying on the what goes on. So in, in a certain sense, I'm, it just reminds me of uh, Romans uh, chapter one, you know, where it's like they receive the penalty within themselves, you know, and within their own bodies. And um, right. just for the, for the homosexuality and whatnot. For, um, for, um, for their producing, for, um, yeah. For producing. Um, yes. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just a quick thought an interjection. You, you brought up a point. Um, the homosexual agenda, June, uh, Pride Month, they, gave, they took that, right? I, and, and that's just a fact. But why didn't, during the month of June, with all the homosexual, transgender, perverse, wicked, abominable, Sodom and Gomorrah activities, you didn't see anybody on the right take an AR-15, go to a parade, start shooting and killing these evil, wicked people. And yet, no. it's the right that's being demonized by the left when it comes to this kind of thing. Explain that. Well, that's because the left wants to kill us. It's like maybe yeah. not the not the central left, but the extreme left. They they their full plan is to eradicate us. You know, and um, uh, it, it's just it's been on the book. It's been on their agenda since the 1960s. You know, with Bernadine Dorn and and that whole crew. They. Uh, they wanted to eradicate. They figured they'd have to get rid of 25 million people and um, that couldn't be reeducated when they opened the camps and whatnot. So this has been a, you know, this is an age-old agenda. It's a satanic agenda. It's been, they've tried to play, it's played out in different countries, you know, throughout the world. And uh, eventually it's, it's going to play out here, I believe. And um, we're not going to, we're not going to stop it. You know, we're not going to stop the judgment of God. The only thing that we can hope to do is to be on the right side of that judgment and not get caught in the snare. Yeah, I believe that God said to prepare an ark and get into it. And I think the wisest thing people could be doing right now, I mean, I I promote the idea of people having a food supply. I promote the idea of having gardens, land. Uh, I promote the idea of digging wells. I promote community. I believe every church should be gathering together and preparing uh, to get out of the way. This is the wisdom of Jesus. He said in the last days it would be like the days of Noah, like the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. And it's always about separating yourself and getting out of the way and having more of an independent opportunity with a community of believers to walk through the moment with like-mindedness. And if God would prepare such a place like a Goshen and put his light and glory there, that's where I want to be. And they had food. They had cattle. They had water. They had light. It wasn't just spiritual. So I'm a full-blown advocate of preparing arcs by the leading of the Holy Spirit and then riding out the storm. 
there's a wilderness that God has prepared to take care of a woman for three and a half years in the book of Revelation. Brian and Kathy, don't we, wouldn't we want to be there of all the places on the earth in the wilderness that God's prepared for his people? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, I think that that, that is the key is like, how are we going to feed people, care for people, love people, project, you know, uh, preach the gospel, disciple people. It's, um, that's, that's where our focus needs to be. And, you know, we're not going to, as I said, we're not going to preach the gospel with a gun in our hand. We're just not. Yeah, I hear you both. But listen, we've gone a long time today. We're over our time, but um, it's all good. I, I appreciate you guys so much. And thanks for taking this hardcore conversation. You know, when you just think about it, it's, it's hard to navigate. But when you have a conversation and you bring in a multitude of counselors in an issue like this, where we could have the, the people calling in and talking about it, um, and unafraid, unashamed, here's where, I, here's where I'm at, here's what I believe, this is what I'm thinking, am I in the right place, am I not in the right place, and conversation could actually help us uh, in this situation, so I hope that helps somebody today. Um, guys, thanks a million for joining me on the air today, as always, special, special people, we love you, and um, lo- are looking forward to being with you uh, very soon. We don't have to wait for Tabernacles, by the way, come up some weekend. Meet the body of Christ, okay? Okay. We love you, too. We love you guys, Thank too. Thank you so much. Yeah. God bless Absolutely. everybody. Bye. Amen. Shalom. All right. We're going to call it a uh, an end for today. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, just in case you would like to support the ministry, what I, I've been told i got to do this every time before closing now. If you would like to support this ministry, you could join us over at OmegaRadio.org, one of the places you can uh, give a gift if you think this is a worthy ministry and it's worth, it's worth your giving to, you can go and I'll put it on the screen, omegaradio.org, and there you could find a donate page, and you could donate to the ministry. We appreciate that very, very much. You could also send a gift to the ministry at P.O. Box 100. That's on the screen as well, P.O. Box 100, Decatur, Arkansas, 72722. P.O. Box 100, Decatur, A.R., Arkansas, 72722. You could also give to the ministry by going to, right on your phone, this is amazing, you could actually text on your phone, there it is, 41088, 41088, lowercase omega, all together, numbers and letters together, 41088 omega, and then you type in the word give, and you could give right there on your telephone, and also you can go to our NWM Global. That's a website, nwmglobal.org, under the donations tab. And for those of you who do, those of you who want to partner with the ministry, those of you who give, we thank you for doing it. It is money that is being used to take care of our bills every month, and we're not asking for anything else. Just we appreciate your support, and we thank you. If you say, man, this ministry is such a blessing to me, I want to sell $50,000 into the ministry. Okay, praise the Lord. Pass the ammunition. We'll use it for the glory of God. And we'll continue to do what we've been doing for 30 years, preaching the gospel, talking about the tough issues, looking at the signs of the times through a biblical lens, giving interpretation to it, equipping the body of Christ, getting people ready. And I hope we've done that faithfully as unto the Lord and to equip the body of Christ. Thank you for supporting our ministry. Thank you for loving our ministry. Thank you for praying for our ministry. And thank you for praying for us. May God bless you. 
in your giving. We'll see you tomorrow. Daniel Seckham will be joining me on the air tomorrow. Daniel Seckham joining us from Australia. We're looking forward to that. We'll see you then. Shalom and God bless everybody. We love you. Have a super blessed day. Good night. Oh, by the way, oh, by the way, you could join us tonight at our Bible study at New Wine Ministry. See you later. Bye-bye.